Okay, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. This is a special edition of the Dan and Harry Show. We wanted to release a little Thanksgiving message to you all. Thanksgiving is a very important holiday, a very special time of year for all of us as we get together, family, friends, loved ones, good food, watching football, hanging out, and uh, ultimately being thankful. And, um, you know, this this idea kind of came up a little while ago. We had discussed continuing something that was very important to us, which is the true story of Thanksgiving, um, which over 30 years in the radio was given to the American people by Rush Limbaugh out of a chapter of his book, See, I Told You So. You know, every Thanksgiving, the day before, uh, Rush would take some time to read the true story of Thanksgiving. And the, and the, the point of this is to cover what the history books do not cover and what is not taught in the classroom. And we believe that there's some very important, uh, relevant messages within this story of Thanksgiving to understand. And I bet you that most of you haven't heard it before. So uh, without further ado, we are going to read the true story of Thanksgiving. The story of the pilgrims began in the early part of the 17th century. The Church of England under King James I was persecuting anyone and everyone who did not recognize his absolute civil and spiritual authority. Those who challenged ecclesiastical authority and those who believed strongly in freedom of worship were hunted down, imprisoned, and sometimes executed for their beliefs. This was not a freedom of religion type of place. Yet a group of separatists fled to Holland and established a community. And after 11 years, about 40 of them agreed to make the perilous journey to the new world, where they would certainly face hardships, but could live and worship God according to the dictates of their own conscience. On August 1st, 1620, the Mayflower set sail. It carried a total of 102 passengers, including 40 pilgrims, led by William Bradford. On the journey, Bradford set up an agreement, a contract, that established just and equal laws for all members of their new community, irrespective of religious beliefs. Where did that revolutionary ideas expressed in the Mayflower Compact come from? From the Bible. The pilgrims were a people completely steeped in the lessons of the Old and New Testament. These people were devoutly religious, right? These people were going on a ship to an unknown new world with no guarantees, no understanding of what lies ahead for them in order to freely worship God, something that I don't think that many people in America today can relate to or, or, or understand, um, they looked to the ancient Israelites, obviously, for their example. And because of the biblical precedent set forth in Scripture, they never doubted their experiment would work. Um, and, and because of this faith, this strong faith that these people had, they had no doubts that they would survive. They put their faith, their lives, their everything in God. And that's how devoutly religious these people were. And in a time where they were unable to practice freely, they were willing to risk it all, uh, leaving their lives in the hands of God to do so. Um, obviously, this was no pleasure cruise. The journey to the New World was a long and arduous one. When the pilgrims landed in New England in November, they found, according to Bradford's detailed journal, a cold, barren, desolate wilderness. There were no friends to greet them here, he wrote. I mean, we're talking about November, which we're in right now in New England. No structures, no hotels, no inns. No place to go inside and get warm. Just a bunch of raw bushes. New England weather uh, with winter rapidly approaching. 
Um, again, a cold and discomfort that no one today could possibly comprehend or understand. There were no houses to shelter, and the sacrifice that they had made for freedom was just the beginning. During the first winter, half of the pilgrims, including Bradford's own wife, died of either starvation, sickness, or exposure. These people, all alone, unknown, building temporary shelters, losing their loved ones, their children, rationing food, all for the freedom to practice their own religion and worship their own God. When spring finally came, Indians taught the settlers how to plant corn, fish for cod, and skin beavers for coats, and life improved for the pilgrims. So indeed, the Indians were a huge part in helping these pilgrims settle in and and better assimilate into the land that they've now called home. But they did not yet prosper. This is important to understand because this is where modern American history lessons often end with the pilgrims being helped by the Indians and they had Thanksgiving to celebrate all that. No, Thanksgiving is actually explained in some textbooks as a holiday for which pilgrims gave thanks to the Indians for saving their lives rather than a devout expression of gratitude grounded in the tradition of both the Old and New Testaments. It was a thanks to God. Here's the part that has been omitted. The original contract the pilgrims had entered into with their merchant sponsors in London called for everything they produced to go into a common store and each member of the community was entitled to one common share. All of the land they cleared and the houses they built belonged to the community as well. It was, as Rush used to say, a commune, right? Bradford, who had become the new governor of the colony, recognized that this form of collectivism also known as communism, socialism today, but at the time collectivism, was a costly and destructive to the pilgrims as the first harsh winter, which had taken so many lives. And so he decided to take bold action. Bradford assigned a plot of land to each family to work and manage, thus turning loose the power of the marketplace. So instead of toying with socialism, communism, collectivism, These people were surviving. They lost half of their population over the winter. They knew that they weren't going to survive. They had to radically change their approach, and they did. That's right. Long before Karl Marx was even born, the pilgrims had discovered and experimented with what could only be described as socialism. And what happened? It didn't work. Surprise, surprise. What Bradford and his community found was that the most creative and industrious people had no incentive to work harder than anyone else unless they could utilize the power of personal motivation. But while most of the rest of the world has been experimenting with socialism for well over 100 years, still today, on college campuses, among the most, quote, educated in our society, and trying to refine it, perfect it, and reinvent it, the pilgrims decided early on to scrap it permanently. What Bradford wrote about this social experiment should be in every school children's history lesson, but it's not. This is something that I didn't understand fully until I listened to this uh, annual tradition. If it were, we might prevent much needless suffering in the future. As we know, the communism approach has killed millions of people around the world. Bradford said, The experience that, we, that was had in this common course and condition tried sundry years that by taking away property and bringing community into a common wealth would make them happy and flourishing, as if they were wiser than God. For this community, so far as it was, was founded to breed much confusion and discontent and retard much employment that would have been to their benefit and comfort. For young men 
that were most able and fit for labor and service did repine that they should spend their time and strength to work for other men's wives and children without any recompense. That was thought injustice. So do you hear what he was saying, ladies and gentlemen? The pilgrims found that people could not be expected to do their best work without incentive. So what did Bradford's community try next? They unharnessed the power of good old free enterprise by invoking the capitalistic principles of private property. Every family was assigned now to its own plot of land to work and, and permitted to market its own crops and products. And what was the result? As Bradford continued to write in his journal, this had very good success for it made all hands industrious. So as much more corn was planted than otherwise would have been. In no time, the pilgrims found that they had more food than they could eat themselves. They set up trading posts and exchanged goods with the Indians. The profits allowed for them to pay off their debts to the merchants in London, and the success and prosperity of the Plymouth settlement attracted more Europeans and began what became known as the Great Puritan Migration. So this story about Thanksgiving, this celebration of their success, it was a celebration and a thanks to God for uh, getting them through this harsh winter in this this very unknown time. And so, you know, not to condemn the, you know, the, the Indians were, were helpful, obviously, in the beginning, but ultimately it was it was their appreciation for figuring this out. And I think the lesson here, which is described in this chapter, is about the understanding that socialism in the early days, in the start of a society and a civilization, didn't work. And ultimately it was the free enterprise and unlocking of self-motivation that not only allowed for the pilgrims to survive and for America then to survive, but to encourage more people to join uh, the new world, uh, all of which was given them the right to practice their own free religion. So uh, appreciate you guys listening through my reading of it, but this is something, again, like we said, we wanted to keep um, a tradition alive and uh, each year we'll uh, try and do this and I'll get better at it as I did this year, but we appreciate it and want to wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving. So thank you very much.